Welcome to the June 23rd, 2023 edition of the Winning Never Sleeps Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brian O'Donnell. I've got a great show for you today, touching on NFL news, my top 10 quarterbacks, as well as quarterbacks that I'm higher and lower on than the expert consensus ranks. But first, an ad from our sponsor. I want to tell you about a new company, FantasySportsDocs.com, doing something no one has ever seen before in the fantasy football space. I know that almost every league, including those that I play in, has a trophy, belt, or ring for the champion. FantasySportsDocs.com has come up with something that's incredibly unique, affordable 30 for 30 style documentaries about your league's playoffs. I know what you're thinking. This has to be expensive, right? Wrong. Prices start at less than $20 per team in a standard 10 or 12 team league. In fact, some leagues low $79, and that's an incredible deal. It has to be time consuming, right? Wrong. It only takes about three to five minutes per playoff team per round where you answer a series of questions on their easy to use video interview platform. You can even do as many takes as you want before you submit your final submission. Just imagine it's your year. It's your first or your 10th championship. A trophy or a belt is nice, but you can't watch it again. It just sits on your desk collecting dust. You can't taunt your teammates from hundreds of miles away by sending them a link to the video just to remind them of your championship. Trophies and belts don't tell your playoff story, but a fantasy sports doc does. Check them out at fantasysportsdocs.com today. NFL News. NFL news. Packers wide receiver Romeo Dubs said Jordan Love can quote unquote do the same exact thing as Aaron Rodgers. Love has been drawing high praise from his teammates this offseason uh, with uh, some, some teammates, including corner Jair Alexander, calling him the best quarterback in the league. I mean, this is just silly. This is, you know, I think this is what we hear from minicamp every season where somebody is being talked up and, you know, somebody is, uh, you know, last week we, we talked about Allen Robinson and, and, oh, he looks great. The same exact things that we were hearing out of L.A. last year during minicamp and training camp. Oh, he looks wonderful. We can't wait to use him. Look, Jordan Love has had limited game time. He has started a couple of games, and in my opinion, in those games, has not been overly impressive. I understand the counter argument is that the Packers and their front office and coaching staff felt comfortable moving on from Aaron Rodgers. You know, they've seen Jordan Love in practice every day for the last three years. I heard I heard one person with connections in the league talk about that. I couldn't disagree more. That front office has grew tired of Aaron Rodgers. They didn't like a lot of the off the field stuff that they had to deal with with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, while he didn't have a great season last year, if you watched Packers game, a Packer game week in and week out, it was obvious that Aaron Rodgers has not lost his fastball. He has not lost his ability to throw the ball. He has not lost his ability to play quarterback. The first half of last year, the wide receivers that he was throwing to were atrocious. 
Okay. It took until about midseason for Christian Watson to really break out and to develop into a starting NFL wide receiver. He finished the season on a high, but again, a lot of it was like big playability. So it might be three catches for a hundred yards and two touchdowns, those kind of things. Rodgers didn't have the consistency at wide receiver to throw to somebody 10 to 12 times and, and then walk away with eight catches for, for 120 yards and a touchdown. So he lacked that go-to wide receiver for most of the season. Watson became that late in the year. And perhaps Watson can provide that to Jordan Love. But Jordan Love has not been impressive when he has started games in the NFL. And to compare him to the best quarterbacks in the league is nothing but absolute insanity. This isn't even a case of, well, he's a rookie. You know, he's a, a player that we've seen do it before. We've seen him play. And he hasn't been great. He's been okay. I'm not even sure that I would describe it as okay. I mean, that they weren't even competitive when he has when he has played. So this is a team who drafted Jordan Love, which started the whole Aaron Rodgers drama, right? They they haven't drafted an offensive player in the first round. They haven't given him a wide receiver drafted in the first round in what was it? His entire since since about oh, well over a decade. Just they draft defensive players year after year after year, and somehow their defense is just average. Every year, their defense is average. You know, with all due respect, this front office and this coaching staff inherited a Hall of Fame quarterback. They inherited a great situation. They thought by winning 13 games a year, 12, 13 games a year, that they were that they were the ones doing it. And we can all see that Aaron Rodgers is the reason why they why they won as many games as they did over the course of the last decade. Hall of Fame quarterbacks win games. You see it when guys leave teams and go to new teams. The Hall of Fame quarterbacks who are still at the peak of their powers, who have not lost it, they go to new teams and they win 12 games. And the teams they left usually regress significantly because the average NFL starter does not compare to Aaron Rodgers. This is just, this is flat out stupidity. And, and, and this talking up of Jordan Love and acting like the Packers are, uh, you know, uh, they can win the division or, you know, we're so high on, on the young guy, Jordan Love. How about, how about we see it? See it before we believe it. Tyreek Hill, there's been more news regarding his uh, altercation I guess we should say Miami-Dade police officials confirmed that the victim in the alleged assault and battery incident involving Tyreek Hill will press charges. This is obviously something we have to keep an eye on. Um, right now, Tyreek Hill is my number seven player overall and my wide receiver four in my rankings. That will obviously change if there is the threat of an NFL suspension. Um so it's something we really have to be, we don't know enough details about what happened or if he will be reprimanded by the league in any way, or even if it will happen this year. We've seen with the Alvin Kamara situation um, and some other situations, the punishment doesn't necessarily come that season. It comes down the road. It's something to keep an eye on. It's something to keep an eye on in terms of the court dates and scheduling because the, the league tends to not get involved until after the entire legal process has been completed. Um, as of right now, 
He is still a super talented receiver. But obviously we know the off the field baggage he has come with in the past. Because this is a fantasy podcast, I'm not going to you know, judge him on what kind of person he is off the field. I just think that if that's something that is concerning to you, um, then maybe maybe that's a player you just stay away from. Uh, it, it all depends on on what your uh, whether or not you want to root for uh, for for that player or not. And historically, there's a lot of players that fall into that category. I mean, we're drafting fantasy teams. We're not drafting uh, we're not drafting people based on their character or anything like that. Sam Darnold, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, has the edge going into camp over Trey Lance. So this this basically comes down to who would play quarterback if Brock Purdy is unable to go come week one. Uh, there's a lot of optimism with Brock Purdy. Uh, he, he's already, you know, he's progressing well through uh, his rehab process. They have high hopes that he will be back to start the season. Again, that's an injury that takes a while. So if you're looking at this from a perspective of Sam Darnold as a quarterback, I would argue that in a Kyle Shanahan offense, stylistically, somebody like Sam Darnold is better for the weapons in San Francisco than Trey Lance would be. You know, we all saw the video of Trey Lance. You know, he's worked on his mechanics. This, you know, he's worked on his mechanics. He shortened his throwing motion. Um, he's getting rid of the ball quicker. He's super athletic. But he's been in their building for for several years now. And I don't believe that they're overly enthusiastically in love with Trey Lance. If they were, Brock Purdy wouldn't be the automatic starter. He played well last year, but they had a huge amount of draft capital in Trey Lance. I mean, they traded up to get him. I just have a hard time believing that Trey Lance will will be the quarterback at any point during the season. We know that they tried to trade him, right? that there wasn't really a market there, mainly because when Trey Lance has played, he's been such a fixed back offense type of quarterback, which really doesn't fit what they're trying to do in San Francisco. And when you play a quarterback of that style, you really need to be fully committed to it. Um, and that's not something that a lot of teams in the league are built for. Uh, it's something you have to sort of prepare for in the offseason. So Sam Darnold, obviously he was great at USC. Um, he was a high draft pick. And he could be the textbook kind of guy that Kyle Shannon feels that he can he can work with, um, at least for a short time. I don't think Sam Darnold is the worst quarterback that ever lived. But to date, he really has not been in positions to succeed. Um, if he got a chance to play in San Francisco, it wouldn't shock me if he played moderately well. And given his skill set, it would probably benefit the guys like Ayuk and Debo Samuel, uh, George Kittle. Uh, so it's something to keep an eye on. Um, but as of right now, I'm sort of going into the season with the mindset that Brock Purdy will be the quarterback. Um, and then if he if he can't be, then it'll be Sam Darnold early in the season. The Athletics' Ted Nguyen believes Justin Fields has the quote-unquote foundation to make a dramatic improvement as a passer in 2023. There's been a lot of talk coming out of Chicago um, about Justin Fields having a great chemistry in minicamp with 
DJ Moore. You know, there's been a lot of highlights that are that have been put out there from the the Bears uh, internal media. It's it's something that every team does when there's a, a new signing. They're 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 trying to hype up that there's this great connection, um, and they're trying to, you know, it just adds a little bit of excitement for the fans. Justin Fields was great as a runner last year. I mean, he had 1,100 yards as a as a runner, um, a lot of rushing touchdowns. His passing left a lot to be desired. With that being said, as a Bears fan, I watched every single Bears game, and before the injury against the Falcons, and I would say up until the point even in that game, he was playing awesome over the course of a four to five week stretch. It started uh, with the New England game, uh, which they won in Foxborough, and it continued on for about a month. Uh, so they played really well. They were scoring over 30 points a game. He was electric. Uh, they even were competitive against teams like the Eagles. Uh, they were in a lot of games. But after that injury, it really took away some of his rushing ability. And he didn't have a DJ Moore. And his offensive line was, by all regards, the worst in the NFL. No matter what metric you come up with, it was the worst offensive line in the NFL. He was running for his life almost immediately. And it was it was chronic. Am I thrilled with the Chase Claypool trade from last year? No, I don't I don't see any reason why anybody would think that that was a, a good trade in hindsight. Chase Claypool, when Ben Roethlisberger was throwing to him, was a competent NFL wide receiver. There has been rumblings that they're not enthusiastic, they're not happy with Chase Claypool's work ethic and some of the off-the-field stuff. And that kind of mirrors some of the stuff that came out of Pittsburgh toward the end of his time there. I I believe that if he if he has his head screwed on properly, he can contribute in a meaningful way. The same with Darnell Mooney, not so much from a mental standpoint, but if DJ Moore can take the pressure off of him, then they have some weapons. They have multiple running backs. They put money and draft capital into the offensive line, drafting Darnell Walker to play right tackle. They're very happy with Braxton Jones at left tackle. They're moving Cody Whitehair back to center, uh, which was his better position, according to PFF, uh, over the course of his career. He'd started off as a center, then moved to guard. And they signed Nate Davis from Tennessee, who is a solid offensive lineman. They believe that they have upgraded their offensive line. I really like Darnell Walker. I think he's a very, I think he'll be a very good right tackle in the NFL. And so I think there's reason for optimism. I think on a high end, you could be looking at Justin Fields turning into something similar to Jalen Hurts if he has that incredible leap. Worst case, I think that he's it's more of the same. Uh, if I had to put money on it, I would say it ends up somewhere in the middle. I think that he will be better, uh, but how much better? That's what I'm not sure about. I, obviously, he's a great athlete, but... And he was, he was a really good passer in college. But he was also throwing to a bunch of first-round draft picks. And it's the same thing that I sort of see with C.J. Stroud. It's his wide receiving core at Ohio State, in both scenarios, for, for both Stroud and Fields, their wide receiving core at Ohio State was better than the wide receivers they're throwing to in the NFL, which is hard to believe, but it's true.
Quarterbacks 1 through 10. My number one quarterback this season is Patrick Mahomes. And I do have to preface this by, I'll give you my top three. My second is Josh Allen, and my third is Jalen Hurts. I have no issue with any of those three being taken as the first quarterback off the board. Personally, I would take Mahomes. He is the person out of the three least likely to get injured based on style play. He was the number one quarterback last year in four point per passing touchdown formats. And he still has the best tight end in the game, as well as potential breakout receivers in Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony. He is as safe as it comes at the position. If you look at his career, he's gone over 5,000 yards twice. He's gone over 4,800 yards four times. And this is all in the space of about six seasons. So his yardage at a minimum, you can bank on 4,800 passing yards, probably closer to 5,000. Every season, over the course of his career, he has averaged 38 passing touchdowns. You know, I think the key with any pass first quarterback is how high of a level do their touchdowns reach? Are they capable of 40 plus touchdowns to make up for the gap in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns? Now, Mahomes does provide some rushing. He does provide some rushing touchdowns, but it's not at the same rate as an Allen, a Hertz, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, but he does provide something. So if you're looking at somebody who put up over 400 points and he's consistently been around the 400 point mark, that's usually where quarterback one winds up. So to me, he's safe. You know what you're getting. You know, in terms of Josh Allen, they added Dalton Kincaid. Rookie tight ends historically don't provide much, but Dalton Kincaid was somebody I liked. I like this tight end rookie class in general. I will be taking at least one of the rookie tight ends in the middle to late rounds in every single one of my leagues. I think that this group, whether it's Kincaid, Michael Mayer, Luke Musgrave up in uh, Green Bay, I think they all have significant high-end potential. And I would even add uh, Laporta in Detroit to the, to the mix as well. But irrespective of, of the tight end situation. They still have Stefan Diggs. They've added decent running backs, you know, Damian Harris. Uh, they have running backs who can carry the ball, but they're not necessarily running backs who are going to take away from what Josh Allen does within the offense. I do know that they're, they would like to protect him a little bit more from taking the number of hits that he does. So whether or not that impacts his overall rushing carries, it remains to be seen. But I put Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts in a similar category. It's their injury risk. And we've seen it a little bit over the, over the last year or two where, you know, last year Jalen Hurts late in the season picked up the shoulder injury, and then it kind of festered for a couple of week, weeks based off of how well they were playing and the fact that they were on pace for the number one seed. He didn't need to be rushed back. And when he was brought back, they protected him from a rushing standpoint. So with every rushing quarterback, the moment they pick up an injury, the rushing goes away. And that's my concern with Allen and Hurts. They're both phenomenal players in phenomenal offenses 
and phenomenal situations. But if you're taking at least 100 extra hits a season, it's going to add up. Over time, that adds up. And I understand Jalen Hurts is a bit younger, but it's still a lot of hits. He probably carries the more the ball more than Josh Allen. He certainly does it more in, in between the tackles. Jalen Hurts, he now has Swift and Penny replacing Miles Sanders, and they return most of an awesome offense from last year. But the injury is the thing that 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 still scares me to a certain degree. As good as they were, the way he carries the ball, the, the volume of which he carries the ball is my biggest concern. And I also still think the Eagles are by far and away the best team in the NFC. What's to say that they don't have the one seed wrapped up with two weeks left to go in the season? You could be looking at another situation where Jalen Hurts is in your fantasy finals and he's either not playing or he's playing but with limitations on his running, where they're trying to protect him and preserve him for the real-life playoffs. Number four on my board and number five on the ECR ranks is Joe Burrow. They improved the offensive line, investing in Orlando Brown, uh, among others, and they still have one of the best wide receiving core in the NFL. He finished last year with 35 touchdowns, but keep in mind, Jamar Chase did miss part of the season with an injury. So with Chase back and still with Boyd and Higgins and Higgins getting close to uh, you know a contract, he could easily go over 40 touchdowns. And I talked earlier about Mahomes, that magic number for a great season for a passing quarterback or a pass first quarterback is that 40 touchdown mark. If you can hit 40 touchdowns, then you have a unbelievable chance of being in and around the conversation of QB1. Number four for the ECR rankings and number five for my rankings is Lamar Jackson. They added Odell Beckham and drafted Zay Flowers. Mark Andrews is back healthy. And I love Zay Flowers coming out in the draft. But he's a little small, uh, maybe a bit of a Steve Smith-type comparison. Um, electric with the ball in his hands, really quick, really fast. But there's a lot of mouths to feed in Baltimore at this point. And I still want to believe that Mark Andrews will be the, the go-to target. With a new offensive coordinator and Todd Munkin, they'll certainly want to spread the ball out a little bit more. But if they spread the ball out a little bit more, then we're relying on Lamar's passing ability as opposed to his running ability. It's not something we've seen before at the NFL level. We saw it in college where he was a, a quite efficient passer of the ball. But in the NFL, most of his success has been centered around the fact that he, he is incredible running the ball. If any of his running value gets taken away, it has to be offset by his increased passing. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily what's going to happen. I think Lamar's a really good player, and I think he's a fairly safe player. Um, I would feel very comfortable with Lamar Jackson on my team. And especially if he's not running as much, then less of a chance of injury. And given the contracts uh, working out in his favor, um, I think he's going to be a little less inclined, uh, a little less worried about the injury risk uh, and coming back uh, when carrying the injury, if if that's what happened last year, which which a lot of people believe it was. But great player, 
um, and number five on my my board. Number six, Justin Herbert. They added Quentin Johnson to an already talented group of weapons, but they could have done more on the offensive line. You know what you're getting with Herbert. You know he's he's the type of guy who I'm confident will finish certainly in the top eight. Could I see him finishing number one overall? Yes, but it would require, I think, Quentin Johnson having a really good rookie year and just them having just an offensive explosion with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator and a really pass-heavy offense like he ran in Dallas. My number seven quarterback is Justin Fields. To me, Justin Fields is somebody who could finish as the quarterback one if he takes a Jalen Hurts-type jump in his third season in the NFL, or it could be a repeat of last year. Some boom weeks, some good stretches, some so-so weeks. He has a really, really high floor because of his rushing ability. He ran for over 1,100 yards last year. I mean, from, from a quarterback position, that's absolutely insane. And when you factor in the fact that he injured his shoulder with about a month and a half left to go in the season, which really limited his rushing for the remainder of the season, you know, he could be exponentially better than last year. But again, he's a, he's the type of guy whose style of play makes injuries a very real risk more so than any pocket passer. Quarterback number eight, Aaron Rodgers. I break down the, the Jets depth chart. I don't see how they'll be as run heavy as the Packers were with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. To me, and this this sort of leads into, you know, who I'm higher on than the expert consensus rankings. I have Rodgers as my quarterback eight. The expert consensus ranks are quarterback 15. And to me, this is not dissimilar to the treatment that Tom Brady got when he went to Tampa. He moved from a situation where he had limited weapons to a situation in Tampa where he had Godwin and Evans and he brought Gronk with him. And I'm not saying that the weapons in New York are as good as that, but Aaron Rodgers is a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback and he is not washed. He still has his fastball. Just go back and watch last year. Yes, he missed throws, okay? But it's not the first time in his career that he missed throws. In terms of overall ability, he still has 90 to 95% of his apex. And Aaron Rodgers, in his prime, which I don't believe is over, but in his prime, I would argue that Aaron Rodgers, in terms of talent throwing a football, overall talent, that's, not, that's a combination of arm strength, accuracy, touch, you know, creativity. He is up there with the top two or three quarterbacks of all time. Rodgers and Mahomes are the two best throwers of a football that I have ever seen. In the rhythm of a game, there are guys that can do crazy things with a ball when there's, you know, they're throwing on air. But those guys are the ones who have that. They could throw across their body. They could they could throw crazy touch passes. They could they could throw with just incredible touch, you know, in a style and a manner that no one else is really capable of doing. 
because they don't really need the base or the they don't need the same mechanics as other quarterbacks do. Some guys are very mechanical. They're very rigid and they can't, if, if they go off platform whatsoever, they're screwed. I would argue Tom Brady was one of those guys, right? Super accurate, decent arm strength. But if you could get him off his base, you could get him off his platform, then you had him. The other guys, I mean, they can, they can turn nothing into something very easily. But I just think that this situation that he's walking into in New York, he's he's reuniting with an offensive coordinator that he's used to in Nathaniel Hackett. And I know Hackett's time in Denver was awful as the head coach. But some people are not meant to be head coaches. And maybe he's one of them. Rodgers has had success with him before. And as I touched on earlier when I was talking about Jordan Love, I think that the Green Bay coaching staff in front office were born on third base and thought they hit a triple. It's the whole silver spoon mentality. They walked into a ready-made situation with a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. And how many Super Bowls did they win with that Hall of Fame quarterback? Zero. So I don't believe for a second about the Jordan Love stuff and this talk of Iron Rodgers washed and, you know, it's this easy transition. I think the Jets are going to be really, really good this year. And they have weapons for Rodgers to throw to. And they have a running back. And they get Mekhi Becton back. Okay. And they get Elijah Very Tucker back. There is a lot to work with there. And Garrett Wilson, really talented. Corey Davis, solid receiver. Alan Lazard, good receiver. McCole Hardman, deep threat. They, they have a number of weapons that can test a defense. And I'm I'm really confident Aaron Rodgers is going to have a huge season this year. Okay, He might not get to 40 touchdowns or whatever, but if you told me that he goes 35 touchdowns and like eight interceptions with 4,800 passing yards, I'd be like, okay. Now, where would that slot him? It'd probably be somewhere in the top top five or six. You know, I don't think he's throwing for 50 touchdowns. I don't think he'll end up QB1, but I definitely think that a, a finish in the top four or five is certainly within reason. I draw the line at this quarterback could end up as QB1 right around number seven when we get to Justin Fields, right? I think that Justin Fields, if he makes a, a Jalen Hurts type jump, that's the floor of quarterbacks that could finish in the top as the top quarterback in fantasy for the season. So it's Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, Lamar, Herbert, and Fields. Then I think there's this next grouping of guys that could finish in the top five if all goes well. That includes Aaron Rodgers. And then number nine on my list, Dak Prescott. So they lost Amari Cooper going into last season. This season, they brought in Brandon Cooks. They still have C.D. Lamb. They're turning the running back backfield over to Tony Pollard. I think they're going to be a team that wants to run the ball. But they do have really good weapons in the passing game. And while Mike McCarthy talks 
a big game about wanting to run the ball and control the game. I don't doubt that for a second, but I think by doing so, they might take advantage more of the play-action pass. And I think that Dak is a very safe quarterback. You know, if I'm if I'm drafting and my goal is to take a quarterback in the back half of the top 12 of the quarterbacks going, you know, we're at number nine. So we're in that that final, we're in that final stretch of quarterbacks. I think Dak is a really safe quarterback where if you want to go into the season and you draft him in like the sixth or seventh round, and you get Dak Prescott. You can say, I feel pretty good about the position. I think most weeks I'm going to get in the high teens with the chance of some 20 and 30 point weeks. I think he's a, a good quarterback. I don't think that he's a great quarterback. And I don't think he's got the potential to be a number one quarterback this season. I think the, the, the broken leg did, did, did all it could to, to prevent that from happening moving forward, taking away a lot of his running ability. But he's still a very good quarterback, and I think he's a safe quarterback. Number 10, I have Trevor Lawrence. I know that over the course of the season last year, he finished as QB5. And he's getting Calvin Ridley uh, added to what's already a pretty good situation. The issue that I have is that Calvin Ridley has not played football in two, two years. I don't know what Calvin Ridley is. If we turn on training camp and we turn on the preseason, we see Calvin Ridley balling out like he did before before his time away from the game. Then I might have a different opinion on this. Trevor Lawrence might be brought up higher on my board. And, and you know, I'd have to reevaluate that. Because right now I, I don't think that Calvin Ridley can be banked on for incredible production. And Trevor Lawrence was also sort of an accumulator last year. He didn't get injured. If you look at a lot of the guys that, that were ranked below him, they had a higher points per week, but he had a higher total points for the season. And, and there is something to be said for, for staying healthy. But when I'm looking at rankings, I'm looking at, I'm taking into account injury risk, replacement player level off the waiver wire or my backup quarterback in terms of what kind of points they could provide if I'm banking on a player missing two to three games due to injury. What does that look like for the entire season? And then I'm comparing that to, you know, across the board. So I think Trevor Lawrence took steps last year to become a better quarterback, but I wouldn't go into the season if Trevor Lawrence was my quarterback and say, I am so certain that my team will do great at the quarterback position. I would go into the season very much like I would like a Dak Prescott. And I would say, I think he'll be good. I don't know if I get bank on it. So Trevor Lawrence is somebody that I'm lower on than the expert consensus ranks. He's number 10 on my board and he's number eight on the expert consensus. My final player that I have a significant, significantly different take on is Deshaun Watson. He's my quarterback 13 and he's ECR number 10. I have moved Watson all over the place in the last couple of weeks. I moved him up to quarterback 13 just because of his ceiling. 
but I've had him as low as quarterback 60. And I'll explain why. While he was away from the game, and you could make the argument that him being away for, for a year, year plus, that that had a negative impact on, on him playing quarterback last year, that it was rust that he was trying to shake off. But if you really look at the Cleveland situation, outside of Amari Cooper, you know, Nick Chubb doesn't really catch the ball. I don't know if the weapons are, are all that good. And I don't know how secure that front office and that coaching staff is given how the last couple of seasons have gone. Watson was terrible last year. There's nothing that he did last year where you could go into this season saying, I am sure that he's going to play well this season. If you take him to be your, to be your starting quarterback, you better draft somebody else as well. Somebody that you feel could take over if this train goes off the rails. And I think it very well could go off the rails. He was terrible last year. Absolutely awful. I, I'm not, we can't, we can't, I cannot emphasize that enough. And I don't know what happened this offseason that would make someone say something changed. The only reason he's my quarterback 13 is because of what he did in Houston and how successful he was in Houston. But at this point, we're talking three years ago. Guy doesn't play for, he doesn't play, he's suspended for an eternity. Then he comes back and when he plays, he's not good. Now, could he revert back to the quarterback that he was pre-suspension? Yes. I just have a hard time believing that that's the case in this Cleveland situation. If he was walking into, you know, a receiving core, you know, if he was walking into a San Francisco or if he was going to Philadelphia or he was going to uh, San Diego with their weapons, even a Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh's got really good weapons. I would feel very differently about Deshaun Watson than I do. I just know from my perspective, the only way Deshaun Watson ends up on my team is if I'm taking him as a second quarterback, that I'm taking him because I have one of those running quarterbacks that I feel it's imperative that I draft a backup quarterback. And I know a lot of experts will go around saying, oh, you don't need to draft a backup quarterback. You just want to stockpile receivers and, and running backs and be trying to you know hit home run swings. I'm someone who differs immensely. I, I could not disagree more. Yes, you need depth at those other positions. But when you're invested in a big-time quarterback, you cannot afford a drop-off that could be 10 to 15 points a week if they get injured. So I'll give you an example, right? If I'm drafting Justin Fields, I might be drafting Kirk Cousins. I might be taking that upper echelon of quarterbacks in that 13 to, to 20 range. And why am I doing that? Well, what if they get injured for the season? What if any of these guys get injured for the season? If I'm going from 22 points a week 
And the waiver wire pickup, the best case waiver wire pickup is scoring about 14 points a week. That's an eight point drop per week. However, if I have a backup quarterback, a good one, someone who is fairly reliable, has some boom weeks, but is overall pretty consistent, and they're putting up on average 16 to 17 points a week, then my drop-off is only in the five range. I can make that up at other positions. I don't want to be scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to piece together week to week. I've seen it in every league that I've ever been in. Person I played in the playoffs last year in one league, semifinal, Jalen Hurts is out. He was desperate. He had no choice. He was lucky that Brock Purdy was out there, but Brock Purdy didn't have, did not have a good week that week. He ended up losing because his starting quarterback was out. Had he had a more reliable backup quarterback, he might have been able to get through the week. Right? Fantasy football is a it's not a season-long battle. It's a war that consists of 16, usually 16 individual battles, or 17 individual battles if you make the final. Each week is its own game. Each week is about the win, wins and losses, about the matchups. It's the reason why when you take, there, there will be moments where you look at a matchup situation and you say, as much as I like this guy and as good of a player as he is, this is a terrible matchup for me and I can't play him versus this team. So it's always good to have options. And so I recommend making sure that you get a good backup quarterback where you feel if your starting quarterback goes down, that you can replace them with a very competent quarterback. The next episode, I'll touch on quarterbacks uh, 11 through 20, and we'll also touch on running backs 1 through 10. That wraps it up for today, June 23rd, 2023. We'll see you next Tuesday, the 27th. Thanks for listening.